sweet. All right. If you have your Bibles, turn to Hebrews chapter 12 with me. Hebrews chapter 12. We're going to start in verse 3. Like I said, this is our last week in the series. I love this book of the Bible. It's beautiful. I encourage you to read the rest of Hebrews 12 and Hebrews 13 sometime over the next week since we won't get to jump into it together. And would you do something with me as we get ready to read the scriptures? Would you go ahead and stand with me as we get ready to prepare our hearts to receive? Hebrews 12, verse 3 through 13. We're shaking it up. We're reading out the NRSV. So all the, all the people that bring the ESV and usually read along with me, I'm sorry. But here you go. You can follow along on the screen. Hebrews 12, 3, 13. Hear the word of the Lord. Consider him who endured such hostility against himself from sinners so that you may not grow weary in your souls or lose heart. Everyone say, don't lose heart. In your struggle against sin, you have not yet resisted to the point of shedding your blood. And you have forgotten the exhortation that addresses you as children. This is from Proverbs right here. My child, do not regard lightly the discipline of the, lo- of the Lord or lose heart when you are punished by him. For the Lord disciplines those, those whom he loves and chastises every child whom he accepts. Endure trials for the sake of discipline. God is treating you as children. For what child is there whom a parent does not discipline? If you do not have that discipline in which all children share, then you are illegitimate and not his children. Moreover, we had human parents to discipline us and we respected them. Should we not even even more will or sorry, should we not be even more willing to be subject to the Father of spirits and live? For they disciplined us for a short time as seemed best to them, but he disciplines us for our good. Everyone say, for our good. He disciplines us for our good in order that we may share his holiness. Now, discipline always seems painful rather than pleasant at the time, but later it yields the peaceful fruit of righteousness to those who have been trained by it. Therefore, lift your drooping hands and strengthen your weak knees and make straight paths for your feet so that what is lame may not be put out of joint but rather be healed. Brothers and sisters, this is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Go ahead and bow your heads, remain standing, and let's pray. Heavenly Father, we just say one more time, we need you tonight. I thank you that you want to reveal yourself as a really good, caring, and and present Father to us tonight. So God, I pray that you would that you would chase out the lies in this room that we believe, lies from the enemy that try to make us doubt who you are or doubt how you see us as your children. Lord, I pray that we would discover the beauty of your discipline, discover the beauty of the fact that you are our Father. So Holy Spirit, would you help us to know this and to believe this and to be able to receive this as good news tonight. And we pray this in the name of the Father, Son, Holy Spirit. And everyone said, amen. Go ahead, grab a seat. Grab a seat. All right. Discipline. These words that we see in this passage are probably some of our least favorite words on earth, right? Discipline, punishment. These are, these are not things that we enjoy. Whether you are in high school and your parents are saying, be careful when you drive. Right? How many of you guys have heard this, that one already? You're like two days into your life and it's just like, watch out, don't do this. And it's like, yo, I'm a grown man, a grown woman. Not actually, but that's how we feel inside, right? Like, so whether you're in high school or if like you're a little toddler, the word don't 
is like the same thing as the worst curse word you could think of, right? Like, don't touch that. Don't believe this. Don't see this. Don't like, and it's like the most frustrating thing ever, right? We don't like to be disciplined, right? Everyone say discipline. And when we think about discipline or punishment or, or maybe this word like submission or, or honoring or respecting authority, what is very normal for, for all of us, whether you are a teenager, whether you are a four-year-old, like all of us like still have like five-year-old temper tantrum us living inside of us where it's like, don't tell me what to do, right? Right? We, we don't want to be told what to do. And this passage here kind of comes on the scene and challenges us about discipline. Let me ask you guys this. This is like one of my best ways to get to know like who is in this room. I feel like this says a lot about you, okay? How many of you guys growing up were spanked as kids? Ra- raise your hand if that is you. Okay, <laughs> most, most of this room. Let, let, let's go on the flip side. How many of you, we, there's no shame in this, okay? We're a little envious if this is you, but raise your hand if you did not get spanked as a kid growing up. Raise up high, Emma, Alessandra, I see you. Raise your hands high, raise your hands high. Okay, I see you guys over there. Okay, so the majority of us in this room understand what it is to be spanked, right? There is, there is discipline and punishment, right? And what happens is, sorry, I just had a whole in and out burp. We had in and out for, for dinner and I just felt it. Anyways, okay, like what happens is when we are kids, we're disciplined, Right? And, and discipline always comes along when we have done something wrong that hurts other people and that's not actually good for us. We are disciplined, right? Now, now how many of you guys know that discipline is actually something really, really important? Like case in point, you think about a four or five-year-old, like a little, little kid who's growing up. Like how many of you guys know a little kid that like their parents never disciplined them and so they're just like the craziest kid on earth? You guys know, you guys know that family, you know that kid, right? I can think of so many examples, right? Where it's like the, the parents want to be kind and nice and all of these things and really, really gentle. And what happens is like they turn out to, they turn out to be like demon children, right? It's like what is wrong with you constantly? You're like, do you have parents that like talk to you? Like you're insane, right? And what we see is that in this passage there's a call to discipline. What I want to propose to you you tonight is that while no one enjoys being disciplined, if a parent does not discipline their child, they are not showing love to that child, right? If a parent does not discipline or punish their child, it shows that they're actually not caring for what is best for them. Right? Because what happens is in an effort to be like kind or to be seen as a nice parent or to not be seen as like a grumpy parent and being hands off, what ends up happening is it enables that kid, enables that person to continue bad behavior. Right? It enables that, that kid to continue to live the way that they're living, which will hurt both themselves and the people around them. What we see here in this passage is that this is not the type of father our God is. What I want to suggest to you tonight is that God is only a good, righteous, and loving father if he disciplines us. God is only a good, righteous, and loving father if he disciplines us. If he does not, he enables us to continue to do the things that are killing us and killing the world. Look at this passage in Hebrews with me one more time. Hebrews 12, 5 through 7 says this. It says, and you have forgotten the exhortation that addresses you as children. My child, do not regard lightly the discipline of the Lord or lose heart when you are punished by him. For the Lord disciplines those whom he loves and chastises every child 
whom he accepts, endure trials for the sake of discipline. God is treating you as children, for what child is there whom a parent does not discipline? What we see in this passage is that discipline is a way God actually shows his love. Now I think it's really important that I just, I make this, I want everyone to look at me and pay attention really closely. Because I think we, we'd be totally missing it if, if we didn't acknowledge the really sad but true reality that maybe for, for some of us, for many people in this room, what, what you experience as like punishment as a kid was something closer to, to abuse and it was not good or godly. Right, like all you have to do is like pull up stats like to know that like there are like many people in this room who have probably faced some sort of abuse, whether that be physical, verbal, mental, emotional, like whatever it is, you've probably experienced that. And I and like I, I know that for many people, like if you come from a family where like your earthly dad is not a good example, it's like not someone you want to be like, it's not someone who has shown you love, that hearing about God as a heavenly father is like, why would I want that? And what I want is to make very, very clear tonight is first of all, if that's your story, I'm like, I'm seriously, I'm so sorry you've endured that. Like, it is not okay, and it's not right. And when Jesus comes back to deal with sin, abuse and hatred and, and all those things will be dealt with for eternity because God hates them. He grieves with you. The second thing I want you to know that, that all of us need to know is that there is a difference between the Lord's discipline and then abuse, all right? There's a difference between the Lord's discipline and then, and then someone who is in an authoritative role abusing that power. The difference is the person who is in an authority type role but, but abuses it, they use like punishment or discipline to get something that they want. You tracking with me? Like someone who is in authority and abuses that power, someone who uses punishment or harshness or discipline to get something from someone. Or maybe it's to, to find expression to get their anger out because they just need a place to do it. And so it becomes a person, which is never right. So they discipline for their own sake. But this is not the case with our Heavenly Father. Why does God discipline us? God disciplines us for our own good. Are you with me? God disciplines us not for, for his sake, not just because he enjoys putting punishment and pain on you. He's not a sadistic freak. He's a heavenly father who loves you. And when he disciplines you and I, it is for our good. Let me try to explain it like this. How many of you guys are athletes in the room? Raise your hand. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Think about, think about this, or maybe even if you're like, if you play an instrument, if you do anything where you need like a coach, a teacher, a trainer, someone to help you grow. How many of you guys know that often those people, like they enforce discipline pretty strictly, right? Like a coach is a person who can say, go and like run your butt off and you do it, right? Like no one in their right minds is going to go and run like field sprints constantly for like an hour just for fun. If that is you you're weird and I don't understand you, but I'm glad you're here, okay? But like most of us, like the things that like a coach would have us do is painful, right? It's painful, but the reason why we do it is because we trust them for the end goal. Let me, let me try to show it to you guys like this from a movie clip from one of the greatest movies of all time. Turn your attention to the screen with me.
put your hand down. You smiling? Yes. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Why are you smiling? Because I love football. Football's fun. Fun, sir. Fun, sir. It's fun. Yes. You sure? I think. So. Now you're thinking. First you smile, then you think. You think football is still fun? Uh, yes. Sir. Yes. No. No. Certain. Sir, sir, uh, but it was fun. Not anymore, though, is it? Is it? No, not by now. No, no, it's not fun anymore. No. Not even a little bit. No. Make up your mind. No, no. Think, since you're thinking now. Go on, think. No, is no. it fun? No, sir. No. No, sir. Absolutely not? Zero fun, sir. All right, listen up. I'm Coach Boone. I'm going to tell you all about how much fun you're going to have this season. Who, who has never seen Remember the Titans? Hold on. I, I, need, to, I need to ask. Okay. Do yourself a favor. You just leave right now and go watch it. Okay, no, I'm just kidding. Don't do that. Don't, don't do that. Go home, watch it. It's on Disney Plus. Okay, you need to watch Remember the Titans. Who, who loves Remember the Titans in here? One of the greatest movies of all time. Amazing. I love, I love this movie. I love that scene. And if you watch that movie, you know that Coach Boone is like a hardcore coach. He, he tells his players before camp, he says, I'm not going to cut any of you. You're on the team if you survive training camp. And so what do they do? They run three-day practices and they puke their guts out and they run and they run and they run. And the people that stay think it's awesome because it's worth it to them. Now what does a good coach do? What does a good trainer do? They're trying to help you grow, right? They, they have a goal for you. They have a goal for a team. So like when I think about some of like my coaches growing up, they were like hardcore like people that would scream at you if you made a mistake and they were on you. But it was for the sake of the team that, like, we could go and win, right? Like, that was, that was the goal. Is they weren't doing it just to make themselves feel good or because they had, like, some pent-up rage that they just needed to get out. Maybe some of them. Maybe some of them. But, like, like really the primary goal was I'm going to, like, be hard on you and your teammates to go achieve a goal. And that goal was to win, right? So what is God's goal with discipline? What do we see, like, his heart? What is the purpose of why he disciplines us. Look again at verse 10 through 11 with me. It starts by talking about earthly parents. It says, for they disciplined us for a short time as seemed best to them, but God the Father, he disciplines us for our good in order that we may share his holiness. Everyone say, share his holiness. Now we may share his holiness. Now discipline always seems painful rather than pleasant at the time, but later it yields the peaceful fruit of righteousness to those who have been trained by it. Those who have been trained by it. So what we see to be very, very clear is that God's purpose with, with, with punishment, with discipline, God's purpose when we go through difficult things which produces discipline in us, his goal is that we may share in his holiness. And so the challenge for us tonight, I want you to think about this for yourself is, is if you and I, do we see sanctification, the process of God making us holy from the inside out, the process of God making us to look more like his son, Jesus, do you and I see that process as a gift or God being a grumpy, uptight old man? Do we see sanctification as a beautiful gift that God is doing something that is for our good and making us holy like him? Or is he just being an annoying old man who's grumpy, who's caught up on rules and religion? Because your answer to that question will dictate how you're able to see God the Father in discipline. 
Why don't you think about that question? Take it to heart. We see very clearly all throughout Scripture, especially in the book of Proverbs, that the wise people, which wisdom is what leads you to making the right decisions for the long run. You understand what is the best thing for life. The things that truly matter at the end of the day. And wise people are those who take rebuke, they take correction, they take discipline and punishment, and they welcome it. And Proverbs also tells us that fools... Fools are those who, who laugh at a rebuke, who when, when someone comes to discipline them, to tell them what they need to change or what they need to do differently so they can live a meaningful and good life, they brush it off. Their pride or their insecurity is kind of hit and so they put a stiff arm up. The question for us tonight is what kind of people will we be? I want to point out three things to us about what God's discipline reveals to us about his character and then we'll go into a short time. Of worship. So the first thing that I believe God's discipline reveals to us about his character is that God loves his children. God loves his children. And this may seem backwards for us because for a lot of us with how we grow up, we feel like discipline and love are polar opposites, right? It, they don't feel like they go together. But if I were to tell you like what is one of the best ways that we show love, I think one of the best ways that we show love to someone is we do something that is best for them, right? We do something for another person's good, not our own, right? So, so I think about like when, when Lindsay and I were dating in college, like because like as, as like we were dating, as I got to know her more, the more like I loved her. Evan said, oh, okay. But like, right, it's like the more we dated, the more I got to know her, the more I loved her. And so because of that, like that led me to doing, like making decisions that were like to like to appreciate her, that were really good for her, that maybe weren't like that great for me. So all the fellows in this room, we tried this last week with Pastor Josh, and I saw there's like a bunch of liars in the room. So if you're a dude and you're in a relationship in the room, raise your hand real quick. Raise your hand real quick. Thank you, thank you. Jackson, you can raise your hand a little higher. I see you, I see you, I see you. Okay, okay, there you go, there you go. Thank you for your boldness. Last week I like looked at like eight couples. Pastor Josh was like, if you're dating, raise your hand. And everyone's like not raising their hand. I was like, come on, bro, okay. So if you're a dude, like how many of you guys know that like going like taking your girl out for a date, while it's sweet and it's awesome, it costs you something, right? Yeah, it costs you money, right? It costs a lot of money, right? Like, it's like I am laying down, it's like my, my little like amount of money I have in college from like my minimum wage, minimum wage in Tulsa, Oklahoma, where we went to college, $7.25, y'all. Like, y'all are lucky you're in Colorado. Like, you're, like inflation's great here when you're not paying bills. Like, like $7.25 is the smallest minimum wage on earth. So it's like, I, I like work a job and it's like my entire paycheck was spent for us to go to like Chick-fil-A, right? It's like, it was like nothing. But the reason why I would spend money on her, even though it was wasn't great for my financial status, for, for like me like being able to go and get like coffee or food for myself. I spend it on her because I love her. Are you tracking with me? It's, it's just like something that we do in life when we love someone, we care about someone. We make decisions for them for their good. We want what is best for them. And so how do we know that God's discipline actually shows his love for us? The very fact that God is involved in our lives. That he's involved enough where he wants to take the pain and the suffering that we endure and, and turn it around so that it can help us to grow and to become more like Jesus and to share in his holiness means that he really wants what is best for you, right? 
He doesn't, he doesn't have to discipline us. He could just kind of let it go and just like not really worry about it. But he is very, very concerned about you. He's very concerned about you so much to the point that he chooses to enter into messy human relationships where like he disciplines us so we can grow and we can know him. So number one, what we see is that the fact that God disciplines us shows God loves his children. Number two is this. God's discipline reveals to us that God knows what is best for his children. Everyone say, what is best? God knows what is best for his children. Look at Hebrews 12, 3 with me one more time. This word of encouragement after the author of Hebrews tells us to fix our eyes on Jesus, the author, perfecter of faith. It says, consider him who endured such hostility against himself from sinners, so that you may not grow weary in your souls. Or lose heart. And then skip down to verse 7. It says, endure trials for the sake of discipline. God is treating you as children. Endure trials for the sake of discipline. I think all of us would be able to acknowledge the reality that none of us in this room would ever choose to go through the most painful things in our life, right? Like, no one in this room would choose to, to look back on some of the most difficult seasons of their life, the most difficult and painful things in their life, and say, like, I want, I want to do that again. It's a great idea, right? No, like, no one in this room would do that. None of us would ever choose the hard road, even if it meant something really good at the end of it. But God is really, really wise. God is really, really wise, and he knows what is best for you and for me. He knows what is best for us. And so what we see to be clear in scriptures, even when God is using the pain and the suffering that we're going through in life to make us holy, it's because he knows what is best for us. Like I think if we were to be honest with ourselves, when we look at like the most difficult things we've gone through in our lives, which like for many of us in this room, many of you like, you've like walked through like very real trauma very real hurt. Like you've walked through some really difficult or heavy things. And when we, when we look back on those things, what we can often see is that that provided like a fork in the road where either we, we chose to depend on God and we learn more and more about the goodness of who he is or turned us or caused us to turn away from him, right? But, but suffering, as C.S. Lewis says, suffering is God's megaphone to a deaf world. Right? That the pain and suffering that's in this world because of sin, that's the very thing that God chooses to use to show us how much we need him. I think about my life. As I, as I look back at like my, my not that many years of life, I, I think about when I was 16 years old, going into the summer of my junior year, and I, I was excited to play a bunch of like summer basketball tournaments in different states and to travel to get college looks. And I was like, let's do this. This is going to be awesome. And I go into the doctor's office because of an ankle issue, and they tell me, you have to get surgery, and it's a 50-50 shot that it actually works or not. And I remember getting that surgery in that entire summer, what I thought was going to be absolutely amazing, turned into a season where I, I fell into addiction, and I felt shame, and, and I, it was like the lowest moment of my life. I, I felt alone. I felt empty. And, and in that season of like pain and suffering, and me asking God these questions of like, God, why on earth would you let this happen to me? If you're all-powerful, why can't you just keep me from having this ankle issue? 
Right? Can we be real about the questions that we ask in this room? Like, this is the age-old question, right? All-powerful God, why doesn't he stop suffering? Why is there suffering in the world? This is one of the main questions that makes people fall away from God. And when I look back at that season of my life six and a half years ago, what I'm able to see really, really clearly is in the midst of like a really difficult season for me, in the midst of something that, that I absolutely hated in the moment, that was also the very ground that was set where God transformed my life and changed me. Where God exposed in me that my value is in what I did, my value is in what other people celebrated and what I did and what I was good at. And when I had that stripped away from me, I felt like I was a bunch of nothing. And it was in that summer, it was in that season where the Lord revealed to me the beauty of the gospel. Where he revealed to me his heart for me. If it was not for the pain and suffering that I walked through, if it wasn't for that difficult season that I would have never have chosen as a 16-year-old who loved playing basketball, my life would be dramatically different. I look back and I say, thank you, Jesus, for using that. I can think of, of so many examples where the suffering that we walk through in life actually leads to the greatest joys because we're able to receive God's good gifts as supremely better than anything or anyone else. Right, this is why the author in James 1, the apostle James says, count it all joy. Everyone say, count it all joy. Count it all joy, my brothers and sisters, when you face trials of various kinds because of what it produces in us. Right, I could go through story after story of how I've seen this in my life. But friends, God knows what is best for us. We see this even in nature. If you are someone who likes working out, right? Like, like the very process of working out is destroying your body to strengthen it, right? Like, like the way God designed our bodies to be able to be strengthened, to become stronger, is like, hey, you're going to tear down the muscles, and you're like, you're going you're to kind of hurt yourself doing it, and it's going to make you more resilient. It's going to make you stronger in the same way God uses the pain and suffering in our lives, not because he enjoys it, not because he uses it to get his rage out on us. No, no, no. God uses the pain and suffering in our lives to turn us towards him because he knows what's best for us. Can you say amen? The last thing I want to suggest to us tonight and then we'll take some time to worship is that God always works for the good of his children. God always works for the good of his children. So what we see about discipline and how it reveals to us the character of our God is that first of all it shows us that God loves his children. How does it show us that? Because to truly love someone is to will their good more than your own. That's exactly what Jesus does. That's exactly what our heavenly father does. He enters into messy human relationship to help you, to be your advocate, to be with you so you may share in his holiness. And so, so he loves you, so he wants what is good for you. The second point is that God knows what is best for you, so he doesn't just want it for you. He's also wise and he's sovereign, and he knows what you need more than yourself. He knows what I need more than I know. Our third point tonight brings us to the truth of good news, that God is always working for the good of his children. If you have your Bible, turn with me to Romans chapter 8. Romans chapter 8, a familiar passage in scripture that we can get kind of used to, but I want us to hear it tonight with fresh ears. Romans 8, 27 through 29 says this. It says, and he who searches hearts knows what is in the mind of the spirit because the spirit intercedes 
for the saints according to the will of God. So the Holy Spirit is interceding. He's praying for you and I. We are the saints, the people of God. The Holy Spirit's praying for us according to the will of God. What is the will of God? Look at verse 28. And we know that for those who love God, all things, everyone say all things. All things work together for good. For those who are called according to his purpose. For those whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son. To be conformed to the image of his son. We know that for those who love God, all things work together for good. Friends, can I encourage you in this room? If we were praying earlier and you're someone in this room who would say, I feel... I feel discouraged. I feel worn down. I feel tired of this Christianity thing. I feel burnt out. Maybe it has nothing to do with like you having issues with Jesus. Maybe it's just like you are flat out just exhausted. From school and sports and homework and relationships and family. And all the things going on feels like it's just so much weight on your shoulders. I want you to hear tonight. Our God is a God who makes all things work together for your good. He doesn't just kind of care about you and stays far off. He doesn't just kind of know in his head, oh yeah, that'd be good for them. Oh yeah, this addiction's killing them. That, that sucks. Oh yeah, them seeking popular, them seeking approval from other people as their identity. Oh, that's, that's not great for them, but one day that'll smack him. He doesn't just kind of know what is best for us. God actively works for the good. He works for our good. Friends, what I want to encourage you with tonight is I want us to be able to see a, a beautiful vision of the goodness of our God, the type of father that he is. That he's not checked out. That he's not just familiar with you from afar. He is a present God who wants to use everything in your life to draw you closer to him. For you to know who your father is and for you to know who you are in him. So that's what I want us to do. I, I want to read Psalm 23 over us. It's a familiar passage for, for many of us in this room. It's a beautiful, beautiful song, poem. David wrote... What fascinates me in this is, he says in, in verse 5 or 6, he says, Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You know what the rod was used for by shepherds? To, to break the legs of stupid sheep that were wandering off. That comforts me. Like David, David was a shepherd, he, he understands. That's kind of an oxymoron. I don't find comfort in getting my leg broke your rod and your staff. The staff was used to, to, to yank like the sheep that were going astray, that were going towards danger, to grab them and bring them back to safety. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. How is it that in difficult things and things that are painful, that God is, that God is good in that? It's because he uses those things to lead us to himself. So will you close your eyes with me? Even hold open your hands. 
just a physical posture of, hey, I'm, I want to receive this. Like receiving a gift, like receiving something that someone is giving to you. Now I want you to hear these words. I want you to try to imagine. I want you to try to imagine that this is you in this scene. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. Close your eyes. I want you to imagine yourself. Beautiful, safe scene. Green pastures, maybe you're laying in the grass. Next to still waters, you hear that sound of a beautiful stream or a slow river. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for His name's sake. And even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for You are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely goodness and mercy, or surely goodness and faithful love shall follow me. All the days of my life. And I shall dwell in the house of the Lord. open your eyes. My friends, we can know and trust our Father because He cares for you. He loves you. He knows what is best for you. And he will always work for your good. He is your good shepherd that leads you. And sometimes that means leading you through the valley of the shadow of death. You know what the promise is? with you. He's with you. The rod and the staff actually also keeps enemies out. And when you start going wayward, he's able to pull you back in and say, I'm with you. I got you. What I want us to do now is as we sing this, this song, Good Plans, again, is I want us to, to come before our Father because I, I think many of us are believing the lie that that God does not have good things for us. That may be because of what you've done, because of your unfaithfulness, that he's kind of walked down, he's quit. Or maybe because of what you've walked through and experienced in your life, you say he doesn't have good plans, he has evil plans. And my prayer for all of us tonight is that we'd be able to see how he has used all things and worked in all things for our good, because that is the type of father he is. So will you stand with me real quick?